We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mind on My Money podcast presented by Pinnacle Trust. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCrady and Pinnacle Trust financial guru Martin Palomo, the Mind on My Money podcast tackles the financial questions we're all thinking about. From paying for college to saving for retirement, from life insurance needs to 401ks and everything in between. The goal is to help you take the stress out of financial concerns and give you some tips to enjoy life while your mind is on your money. Now here are your hosts, Neil McCrady. And Martin Paloma. Welcome into another edition of Mind of My Money, presented by Pinnacle. I'm Neil McCready, joined by, as always, Martin Paloma of Pinnacle there in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, we're going to keep it a fairly short show today because I've got a couple things I've got to do. Uh, but we'll get you a show. We'll talk about um, some stuff with uh, the Fed, GDP gain. Maybe recession odds getting longer, which is good news. Uh, I yep. think we'll get uh, we'll get Martin's thought yep. on that in just a moment. First, I'll tell you quickly that I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford's in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within business hours, 15 minutes in business hours, I should say. Right to the bottom line. There's not going to be any hassle. There's not going to be a haggle. He's not going to harass you. He's just going to give you a quote. Then you can shop that quote around. Use it elsewhere if you choose wouldn't recommend that but it's okay it's legal uh or you can do what i do i recommend that you do top into a clark ford you'll love the product you'll love the service Corey and the people at clark ford want to be your car guy they want to be your truck guy they'll prove to you what it means when you make the call 662-257-1900 and martin before we get rolling what's going on at pinnacle and how can people get in touch with you yeah man uh we are about to be kids are about to be back in school so uh puts us back into kind of a normal <laughs> A normal pattern. I think we got about a week or so uh, before before that happens. But we are kind of getting back into the groove. Um, you know, markets, uh, man, markets just are resilient. They keep uh, keep uh, keep trucking along, which is good. A nice uh, change of pace from from last year. Um, but you know, I'll kind of stick to my guns, man, and and say that. Uh, you know, uh, investing is a piece or a part of planning, but is not planning. So if, um, you know, there are folks out there that are just doing their investment piece on their own, um, and don't really know what their future plan looks like, uh, it makes a whole lot of sense for, for us to have a conversation and, uh, and see if we can be of service and, you know, kind of no pressure. Um, sometimes things 
make sense and sometimes they don't make sense. So, you know, we're getting back into the groove. Uh, we're about to be picking back up our, our pretty heavy client load. So our, our uh, availability will, will get a little bit less than it was over the summertime, but, um, you know, we can still find times to, to have conversations with people. So if, uh, if you kind of don't know where your, where your plan's heading, but you've got a car you're driving, uh, you don't know where you're going, give us a call. 601-957-0323 or you can email us at info at mypinnwealth.com all right so we'll dive into a couple of headlines here and then i'll yep. let you sort of um assess what this means uh what what people should take from it uh as always i like to use the wall street journal i just think it's a uh when in doubt it's the closest you're going to get to middle of the road in today's media yeah and um and especially as it pertains to financial matters, I don't sense there's a hell of a lot of an agenda on their part. Uh, this story, the headline is U.S. Economic Growth Accelerates, Defying Slowdown Expectations. It is written by Sarah Cheney Cambone and uh, Christian Robles. It reads, the U.S. economy picked up last quarter and remained well clear of a recession despite the Federal Reserve pushing interest rates higher. Gross domestic product grew at a seasonally and inflation-adjusted annual rate of 2.4% in the second quarter, picking up slightly from 2% growth in the first three months of the year, the Commerce Department said Thursday. Consumer spending grew this spring, but at a slower pace for both goods and services. Business investment strengthened from April through June, with companies spending solidly on buildings and equipment. Companies rebuilt inventories, helping boost output. Final sales to private domestic purchasers, a measure of consumer and business spending that gauges underlying demand in the economy, grew at a 2.3% annual rate in the second quarter, a solid pace, but a slowdown from the 3.2% growth in the first quarter. Overall, the GDP report adds to evidence that the economy remains resilient amid higher interest rates. The labor market is still tight and inflation is easing. Economists are now dialing back their recession expectations after many had projected a downturn would start in the middle of the year in response to Fed policy. The Fed acted to raise its benchmark interest rate to a 22-year high on Wednesday. Chair Jerome Powell didn't rule out another increase but emphasized the amount of time it can take for highest, higher interest rates to cool inflation. We've turned the corner on the risk here, and instead of being heavily weighted to recession, it's balanced between recession and not recession, said Amy Cruz Cuts, chief economist at AC Cuts and Associates, before the data was released. So there's a lot there. Um, consumer spending grew at an annual rate of 1.6% in the second quarter, down from 4.2% growth in the first quarter. Slowdown yep. largely reflected cooling purchases of big ticket items after Americans snapped up vehicles at the start of the year as they flowed back onto uh, dealership lots. I'll uh, I'll stop and let you uh, assess. <laughs> sure, I was, uh, we threw we threw a lot. Yeah, that was like that was a lot of data. Here's the fastball. Um, here's the curve. Here's the slider. Here's the uh, here's the change. Here's another fastball. Now, what do you think? <laughs> All in one pitch. Yeah. <laughs> hit a ball that is uh that is moving but now it's like quantum mechanics right the ball is there but it's really not solid it's many particles in between that have the illusion of being solid all right so we'll take them one at a time here's the fastball gdp <laughs> yeah. grew at a seasonally and infl inflation adjusted annual rate of 2.4 percent in the second quarter what do you make of that um 
you know, I think that's so, okay, that's positive news for us because, you know, we had GDP, I think it was, uh, GDP was, was up 2%, um, Q1. Um, and then, you know, and then we've got an, you know, a 2.4% print in, um, in Q2. And I know that there was, you know, the, the fear that we were going to have, um, you know, a recession in kind of middle of the year, end of the year was really, uh, pretty heavily dependent on what happened in, in the second quarter. So getting in, getting in, you know, a revised up number. And I think that's, you know, the last part of your, the article you're reading was saying, um, you know, it's more of a balance between, you know, if we're going to have recession or not have recession or economists are kind of split on whether we're going to have recession or not have recession. Um, and I think we still could end up in a, you know, in a recession by, by year end. Cause I mean, the traditional definition is, you know, two quarters of declining, you know, uh, GDP, which is a little bit of a, can be a little bit of a, of a head fake too, because there's a difference between, you know, declining quarters of GDP when they're, you know, I'm just going to make something up. Like, let's say that, you know, we're 2.4% in the second quarter. Let's say that the third quarter is, uh, you know, 2.2% growth and fourth quarter is 2%. So we've had two consecutive quarters of, of declining GDP. So technically, you know, we're technically in a recession, but if uh, GDP is at 2% growth, yeah, it's slow and slowing, but we're still, you know, we're still not in bad shape. This is not a, a 2008, you know, type scenario. And, and if we hit recession, I'm going to stick to my guns here and say, you know, if, if we find ourselves creeping into recession, I still think it's going to be shallow. And the closer, the more economic data that comes out um, is really showing that, that it's going to be a pretty shallow recession. If, you know, if we even get into one, Powell may actually thread the needle and be able to to manufacture that soft landing. And again, you know, I know there's a lot of Powell haters out there. And did he, did he do everything right? No, he hasn't. Uh, I think the only black eye that he really has is uh, the rate hikes probably should have started, you know, the end of 21 instead of, you know, rapidly in 22, but you know, you toothpaste is out of the, out of the two. We're not, we're not putting that back in. I run into a lot of people on the Powell hate, and it's 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 a confusion. It's the question I asked you last week, and and it, I, you gave a great answer. I went back and listened to it. I still don't completely understand it because I don't live and work in your world. I think there are a lot of people that are out there. I was listening to a podcast that I listen to a lot called Breaking Points, and uh, the the one of the analysts was saying that you know a lot of the the frustration with Powell and and with the Fed is this sense that they keep raising rates and raising rates and raising rates because they're not getting the unemployment that they want. And I think people hear that and go, I don't understand why you want unemployment for years and years and years to to cool inflation. It's just a concept that a lot of people, including fairly smart people, I mean, I consider myself average intellect. And and I I think you're a smart guy, man. I wouldn't say average. I can't really. Okay, well, if you're right and I'm above average, um, I still have a hard time wrapping my head around that concept. So if if yes. someone of 
slightly above average intellect has a hard time with that. Then the person of average or slightly below average intellect is simply blown away by that concept. And that's where some of the, the Powell hate, if you will, comes from. Yeah. Well, and because also when you talk about unemployment, that's really a look through because it's not just, it's not just the number. It's the, it's the domino effect that happens three, four, five dominoes down the, down the row. It's not the, you know, what the number is. And that's, I think that's the, what separates the, you know, or creates the confusion piece of it is you have to look through, you know, have to, it's like a game of chess. You have to know, okay, well, if I move my pawn here and, you know, what is my opponent's next probable move, then what is my next move? And you're kind of, you're playing, you know, th- at least two, three steps ahead. And that's, and the unemployment number is just the pawn move of, of the chess match. And, I mean, and it's an important number um, because it does have impact. And wage inflation is really the the biggest chunk of that 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 you're trying to control. Uh, because wage inflation, you know, if you have more money in your pockets because you're earning a larger paycheck, um, you know, most most Americans are going to spend a good chunk of of that money, which does stimulate the economy, but if you have too much cash chasing, you know, a small amount of stuff, that's where we get the, that's, that's what created the inflation in the first place. But it was more, it was more of a government policy induced inflationary period. Although we did have a little bit of supply chain, you know, issues that made us have temporarily less stuff with more cash chasing the less stuff. So, um, and that's and I can totally understand how someone who is not living, eating, breathing, sleeping, you know, talking this stuff on a daily basis, that it can be, you know, very, very confusing. I mean, dude, it's just like if, you know, I go to my doctor and uh and he tells me like, you know, hey, you've got high blood pressure. Well, I mean, yes, he's concerned about the symptom, but what he's really concerned about is down the road if I don't control you know, high blood pressure and eat right that I'm going to stroke out and blow a, you know, a, an artery or, or, you know, or uh, have an aneurysm or something like that. Like that's the, it's the down the road thing that they're concerned about, not the what's exactly happening today. Although it does matter because if you don't get it in check, then you blow an artery out, uh, you know, with, with too much high blood pressure. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a good example. What they were talking on the on that show about, um, you know, UPS, the strike, the workers were threatening to strike um, yeah. August first, and it appears that's been averted. They have to agree to the deal by August the twenty second, but it appears that that they they uh, have reached a deal, and their union, the UPS union, and I'm, I, I, it's a Teamsters kind of thing. Forgive me for not knowing the exact title. They basically won the negotiation because. Um, they threatened to strike. They showed that they were not a paper tiger about this, that they were truly going to do it. And had UPS said, okay, well then you're fired. It was going to be difficult to find replacement drivers. And those drivers were not going to have a difficult time finding jobs, especially right. in a blue collar environment. And so the, the negotiation that was won, the, there's no question who won the negotiation. It was the, it was the drivers, it was the union and, you know, it averted a, a disaster for our economy and and because more and more people um, depend on, you know, for lack of a better word, Amazon for their yeah. 
goods and services now, you know. Yes. Um, yes you know, indeed. there's there's more of, of mail order and people are, are dependent on it. And and I mean they there there's no there's no grace and hey, well, it's gonna be another week. Well, that's not acceptable. I mean, you know, you are so many people are doing, you know, I mean, everything from you know, toiletries to dog food to to regular staples in their home via I mean, dude, delivery. We, we do. I mean, I have the auto delivery of and spaced out based on you know, when I usually run out of those items, but man, yeah, we have, you know, laundry detergent, the uh, dog food, uh, I mean, dog food, cat litter, uh, you know, cat food, all that stuff. Shoot Jen's coffee. Uh, you know, anything that I can get automated, man, I have automated and just delivered to my house, which is crazy. Cause I used to never do that. Oh, for sure. Um, I was like, go in the store and get it guy. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Let me get back to the the curveball here. Yeah. Well, and I so well, let me let me I'm gonna, I'm gonna go just a little bit further okay, on the go for it on the thing because with so with with improving economic data, you know one of the things we talked about with Powell with his rate hikes is you know as long as the data continues to show that he's going to be able to you know to raise rates without throwing us into recession to continue to try to choke out this last bit of inflation that we have, you know, in the economy, um, he's going to continue to do it. And with a GDP number revised up of 2.4, it really gives him, you know, a little bit more wiggle room, a wider path, you know, per se to walk down. He's not having to walk the, I mean, he's still walking a tightrope for all intents and purposes, but, um, but it's a much wider, rope he doesn't have as much risk of you know of death or impending doom um you know if he steps to the right slightly or steps to the left slightly so uh so i would expect that you know we got one yesterday which we knew was pretty much i mean pretty much a shoe in um we probably get one more um before before end of the year and then um you know in the fed reporting or the dot plots uh, which I don't expect anyone outside of my industry to, to know what that means, but it's kind of the direction the Fed thinks interest rates are going to head, you know, for the next several hikes. Uh, there was a bit of consensus, you know, towards the beginning of the year that we would have some cuts in 2024. Um, and I, I was kind of on that, uh, you know, I was thinking that probably we probably will end up with some cuts, but with, as healthy of an economic environment as we have at the moment, it would not surprise me at all if we get another hike, you know, towards the end of the year, maybe in the fourth quarter, end of the third, beginning of the fourth quarter this year, one more, you know, 25 basis point or quarter percent hike. And then I think the Fed's going to hold versus cut next year. I think they're going to hold and then kind of wait and see. And truth be told, man, is – we're kind of in a really healthy interest rate position to have an effect. Um, you know, if we do hit a bit of recession um, and we need some stimulation in the economy, I don't think we get more than 1% of cuts next year. So I said all of that to say, I think that bonds are going to stay a relevant part of people's portfolios, especially folks that are getting, closer and closer to retirement or in retirement uh, bonds are going to be, um, you know, a, a, a big, a big piece of the portfolio that hasn't been 
you really haven't had to, you haven't been able to talk about bond contribution in the last 15 years. I mean, especially since 2008, but I think you read that the, you know, that the fed funds rate is at the, it's at a 22 year high right now. So since 2001 um, or 2002, we haven't had uh no, no, 2001, we haven't had, you know, rates, uh, short-term rates at this level, which, you know, for folks that have cash, which is usually folks in retirement, um, man, this is not a bad, it's not a bad thing. Um, and then for folks that are getting closer to retirement, bonds are finally going to be in a position to where they can protect if we have another market slide where they weren't able to do that last year. Cause there was no, um, you know, there was no, uh, room for them to, to help protect and, you know, and, and then you'll also get compensated in the form of interest payments to, uh, to have them in the portfolio. So, you know, it's been a painful journey to get to where we are, but I'll say it's been painful because, you know, we had the drugs in us for, for so long on, um, uh, you know, on the low rate environment and everyone was just high on low interest rate, um, you know, policy. And now that we're returning to a normal and having to get sober or clean, you know, we are, um, we are feeling the effects of sobriety, which, uh, you know, is not fun, uh, in the very beginning, but long-term is going to be a, a better, I think it's a better, it's a healthier, a healthier environment, uh, for us to be in. I will say that the, uh, the flip side of the UPS thing is, uh, Anheuser-Busch and Bud Light. <laughs> laying off Finally. hundreds of U.S. workers. Uh, again, the story from uh, Wall Street Journal, the author's name is uh, Nagai Young, I think is how you say that. I apologize if I have it incorrect. I'm almost certain I do. Uh, Anheuser-Busch InBev laid off hundreds of workers at U.S. offices after months of slumping sales at Bud Light, the world's largest brewer, which also sells Stella Artois and Budweiser. On Wednesday, said the cuts would affect less than 2% of its roughly 18,000 U.S workforce. Uh, the layoffs won't impact frontline workers such as brewery and warehouse staff, the company said. Uh, while we never take these decisions lightly, blah, 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 these corporate structure changes will enable our teams to focus on what we do best, brewing great beer for everyone. No one ever has ever accused you of brewing great beer. Uh, the restructuring eliminated corporate and marketing roles at uh, <laughs> marketing roles at uh, major U.S. offices, including St. Louis, New York, and, and uh, Los Angeles. Bud Light sales have tanked since April amid a commercial backlash over a promotion with transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney. Earlier this summer, Mexican brand Modelo Especial dethroned Bud Light as the top-selling beer in the U.S. AB InBev is slated to update investors on its latest quarterly financial results next week. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, you know, and one of the things I've been really surprised at, sorry, my ADD is kicking in here, but we're talking about the InBev stuff and my brain just went, you know, all into, you know, it it was the, it was really the middle America that were the most, I'm going to use the word offended and I don't mean it in the term that we use it in, hey, you offended me by what you, by what you said, but like offended to the point where they said, hey. I am unwilling to, you know, spend my cash there now. And they put their money instead of their mouth, um, you know, into action and dude, and it kind of goes to show that all this noise, and I'm talking both sides of the political spectrum, you know, all this noise that gets made by the extremes, um, you know, yeah, they they have the bullhorn, but the most impact still comes from, you know, middle, um, I'm going to say typical America, you know, that's not extreme. And I mean, I think Budweiser is, uh, you know, the InBev issue with Bud Light is, is a great example, you know, of that. And I know that, uh, people will try to call the typicals that I described the silent majority and we can call them the silent majority, um, you know, for purposes of the show, but, but it is, it's pretty impressive to me to kind of watch how all of that unfolded and um you know to say like hey things have consequences you know i know one of the things we would say around elections is elections have consequences but um you know i guess being flippant about politics also has consequences you you piss your base off and um you know and they may they may vote with their pocketbook uh, back to you, which is what happened. Clearly, what happened with InBev. I know Target, a little bit of a, a little bit of a same, same uh, situation, but not quite the level that, you know, that Bud Light experienced. Yeah, I mean, Target reacted a little quicker to it than Bud Light, which I think thought it would go away. And Bud Light, at times, has almost doubled down a little bit. It that that whole was dumb the whole yep. the idea is I always talk about hand raised guy you know there was a guy in the back of the room when they're having the meeting that goes i mean the 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 hand raised guy doing his or her job would have raised his or her hand and said what are we doing why are we doing this yeah why are we doing this this is dumb this is dumb it's just dumb why can't we just just go run the Clydesdales just sell out. beer just yeah. sell beer run the Clydesdales out and and, and and let them 
let their manes flow in the wind and and yeah. people like people like the horses guys just just yeah. do the horses maybe you know i was i was watching maybe do a smash a little bit of america in there and yeah you know as the Clydesdales are going past yeah. america cowboy in his boots after a long <laughs> yeah. hard day yeah open you know up a I mean? cold bud light yeah picking up a cold bud light you know maybe even kid rock as a cameo you could have made it a, a <laughs> you could have made it a co-ed softball game at the end of a co-ed softball game the guys and girls, you know, drink a Bud Light, hang out by the truck and drink a Bud Light, you know, yeah. or go to the bar and drink a Bud Light. It, it just would have been so simple. And just when someone goes, well, I really think we need to be cutting edge. No, we sell beer. We don't yep. need to be cutting edge. We really don't. We just need to sell beer and, and sell beer and lots of it. These are the people who drink our beer. They're loyal to our beer. Let's let's not do this. Let's not let's not tell them, hey, you need to be more progressive cool. or, or yeah. you need to be more. Uh, uh, accepting no let's just let them buy our beer okay yeah. let's just and let them it. buy our beer let's not stick it in their faces and when someone goes well some of these people need it stuck in their faces yeah but we don't need to be the ones to do that I even if you're right that's not our job we sell blue cans of beer and we don't want them to switch to the white can and they'll do it just like that or the silver can we just want them to stick with the blue can that would have been that's what someone should have said but hey listen in in today's based on what i hear from people in corporate world that would get you fired. You'd which is fired, insane, man. Which is insane. Yeah. You would get fired. So instead, they go through with a stupid, stupid media campaign, lose millions of jobs. The marketing people get fired anyway. Yep. And I, you know, I and I do kind of wonder, you know, Harvard Business Review is excellent at writing case studies. Uh, when things happen that are, you know, positive and negative in the world of business for, uh, for, you know, for college students to study, dig in, uh, and, and, you know, and present a case on it. I, I wonder how long it's going to take for Harvard Business Review to do, a, you know, a case study they for, won't do it. for they InBev won't, and Bud they, they won't do it uh, because it's to, to do it accurately, you have to say some of what I just said out loud and they can't because uh, frankly, what I just said, if someone listened to what I just said in the corporate world, they would say that I was a, uh, a bigot. Bottom line. That is, yeah. that is the bottom line. They would say you're a bigot. And I would say, I, I just pointed out that it was a f fl remarkably flawed, easily preventable marketing campaign that cost you millions of dollars in a space that you should never have lost. You had total command of the market and you blew it and you did it intentionally. It's, it's the football team that just needs to run the clock out and they go, no, no, Hey, we're going to watch. We're, we're going to run this flea flicker. Well, this is kind of an Alabama versus Auburn, right? The, I'll give you an example. The kick the kick six. Well, no, that was a little more. I mean, kind of. I'll give you a better example. I'll give you a football example. Uh, Arkansas was playing Texas A and M last last year, and they're marching up and down the field uh, in the in the first quarter. They're about to they're about to take a big lead, and they decided to run a trick play. They brought in a wide receiver, put him at quarterback, and they ran some trick play that obviously had. You know, they'd drawn it up in practice and they'd seen what AM did on film and they obviously thought this is going to be awesome. And they practiced it a couple of times and it was great. The coach just couldn't wait to run it and it backfired. The the drive fell apart. They had to punt. They ended up losing the game. And I think you could circle that play as the beginning of the momentum the shift. Of the, yeah, the momentum shift. And yeah, and because what they were doing 
essentially was running the ball between the tackles and having success and having success. And it's like, yeah, this is kind of boring and this is boilerplate stuff. This is meat and potatoes, but it's working. And Hey, as long as it's working, let's just serve meatloaf and mashed potatoes. Yeah. But that's boring chef. Yeah. yeah. But it works. We're selling it. It's working. Yeah. yeah but I, I really want to do the foie gras, <laughs> yeah, but these people don't want foie gras. They want, they they clearly are indicating they they yeah, like they meat want meatloaf and mashed potatoes. Yeah, but have you seen the foie gras? It's and I put the little parsley. Thing. It's no no I know I know and that's I think that happens in corporate world and they just they say we must show everyone how progressive we are and we must show everyone how tolerant we are and how accepting we are and that's great except that's not what your role is at this moment. Your role is just to sell beer. So, um, fair enough, man. Yeah. I just, I just think it's, I think that's an interesting place where we are. Um, and I'm trying to get back to this story, uh, quickly because there was a lot there. Um, so recession odds just got longer. Are we, are we avoiding, yeah. are we avoiding a recession now? Because a recession for the longest time felt inevitable. And now I hear more yeah. people saying, you know what? I don't think we're going to have a recession. Um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm on, I'm in the camp that, that it's, I think it's more likely that we avert and avoid, uh, a recession now than, than go into it. But I'm going to put a little asterisk by that and say, if I'm wrong, which I, which it's, it's possible that I'm wrong. And we do technically hit recession that it will not feel like a recession. It will feel very short, very shallow. Um, because most of the risk that would have put us there has abated and is behind us. Um, you know, there's a couple of little, you know, small things that could technically put us there going forward. But I just, just the risk of large recession is gone, uh, is not even on the table. But yeah, we could have a technical recession. But I'm in the camp that. I'm in the camp that we uh, that we avoid it. Um, the data is just looking, looking, looking too strong. You look at month over month inflation numbers, and I know we talked about it last time on the show. The month over month numbers are really encouraging, and and housing is the only one that's been a little bit stubborn in the prints. But we also know that those housing numbers are uh, are are dated just based on how they're reported. They're, it's not like a you know used vehicle prices where a, trans a transaction happens today, that data gets reported today, and we know real time what, you know, what vehicles are selling for, what groceries or gas or anything that's easy to, to say like, hey, this is what, uh, you know, this is what uh, it, the cost is today, because uh, housing is just a little more opaque. It's, um, it's not as easy to, to get the data in. But, you know, of course, anything could happen that uh that could toss us you know there could be i mean god i didn't see the ukraine russia conflict that really kind of started us spinning and skidding a little bit last year and then the fed finished us off uh for for a hell of a year last year i mean something like that certainly could happen and toss us in there but if if i'll say you know provided that nothing unexpected or crazy happens i just don't see us having a, you know, a huge, huge recession, um, not in the cards. 
Yeah, and once which is good. It's it good. is, and, and once we get into twenty twenty four. The focus for everyone kind of gets on these elections and everybody on both sides of the aisle wants to be super careful, you know? Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, look, it, it's in no one's interest for us to be in recession politically. I mean, obviously the right would have a little bit more ammunition um, versus the left, but uh, you know, it's, it's, we're going to be really hard. Even if we hit small recession at the end of this year, it's going to be really hard for the right to really beat um, you know, the left up on, on recession. Cause we just haven't had just tremendous amount of, of, of like middle America job loss. And I'm not saying that, you know, uh, white collar people, it's easier to digest white collar recession than blue collar. But truth of the matter is, is man, for, for most of America, white collar recession, they're kind of like, eh, those are the rich guys, you know? they don't go broke like we go broke anyway. So, which is also true. Um, so it's almost, uh, you know, middle America didn't really experience the, a lot of the recession other than, you know, high interest rates and, and their student loans are about to crank back up. I think that's where the right probably beats them up is credit card and interest and student debt. Here's one. This is interesting. We'll tease this. Well, this will give you something to think about for next week. Ties it all sort of together. Um, the other thing that people get concerned about is taxes. Yep. Going into an yes. election. The other thing going into an election year, so we get, we're into the second half of 2023, football season right around the corner. I'm a firm believer that in this country, especially in this part of the country with our listeners, that football season goes fast and people look up and go, oh my God, it's Christmas. Yep. Um, and so uh, that's coming. August is when we tape, when we tape again, it will be August. This is our last show for July because it's July yeah. the 27th as we record this. This is from the wall street journal. This is the, this is the editorial board. So this is an opinion piece, but it's interesting. So I'll read a few graphs of this. You can think about it and we'll talk about it next week on mind of my money. Progressive States don't want to bear the trillions of dollars in cost for building out their green elect electricity grids. So now Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is directing the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, FERC, FERC, to stick red states with the bill. Mr. Schumer last week sent a letter demanding that FERC expedite a strong transmission planning and cost allocation rule to deliver more clean power to Americans. He claims that disagreements among states on permitting new transmission lines and allocating their cost is stalling renewable projects. Under FERC's current rules, cost of transmission projects are allocated based on which parties benefit from improved reliability or reduced congestion cost. For example, Illinois residents would pay higher electric rates for a new transmission line to move power from a gas-fired plant in Wisconsin to Illinois to maintain reliability. States in a regional transmission organization negotiate how to divide the cost, which hasn't been controversial as long as projects solved reliability problems. The increasing problem now is that more than half of states have renewable energy mandates. New Jersey requires that 100% of power come from, quote, clean sources, including 7,500 megawatts from offshore wind enough to power about 6 million homes by 2035. Building long transmission lines to connect solar and wind plants to population centers isn't cheap. 
Texans spent about $4.1 billion in 2021 on transmission fees, more than twice as much as 2011, owing largely to the Lone Star State's wind and solar build-out. Transmission costs for solar and wind are two to three times higher than for nuclear and fossil fuel power. A Princeton University study in 2020 estimated that a transmissions system to achieve net zero carbon emissions would cost $2.4 trillion, that's with a T, by 2050. High voltage transmission lines would have to increase 60% by 2030 and triple through 2050. States without renewable mandates, such as Arkansas, West Virginia, and Tennessee, don't want or need heavily subsidized green energy from other states, which would drive their own baseload fossil fuel and nuclear plants out of business. They also don't want to pay for new transmission lines whose sole purpose is to help other states meet their renewable mandates. No matter, Mr. Schumer writes that FERC should order those states to act as free riders to pay for transmission upgrades. He also wants FERC to clarify its backstop authority to issue permits when states won't. In other words, if West Virginians don't want to pay for connecting New Jersey offshore wind farms to the grid, FERC should mandate that they pay anyway. It's my opinion that this is going to become a pretty big issue in 2024 unless Trump sucks all the wind out of the election. I'll say that. I think a lot of people like me, the risk of being super controversial here, are skeptical about some of the climate change stuff and are not exactly trusting of the government entities that are trying to make everything all electric by 2035 and don't really think that it works and thinks that what it will cost to do that is so prohibitive that I know who will foot the bill, the taxpayer. And I think a revolt on that. And when I say a revolt, I don't mean armed revolt, but a revolt on that stand is sort of coming. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I don't know, man, this is uh I guess this is like modern day uh, boiling pot for for revolution, man, like forcing yeah. someone to pay for something. I mean, that is what we that was yeah. what the whole war about was was well, uh, the war with England was about was essentially taxation without representation and, uh, you know, taxing us on something. I mean, I, I realize like there are some things that we all subsidize, but for the greater good, like. I'm never going to tell you I'm unwilling to pay for public schools to be funded or fire departments or roads or police department. Like those things, like we need those for our, our society to exist functionally. Yes. Yeah. I mean, but like, I'm a, I, I know they say green energy, but they should say, I mean, I can get behind trying to figure out clean energy. I mean, but in my opinion, uh, nuclear is clean energy uh and we're we're not building any more nuclear plants even though from an efficiency standpoint and and correct me if i'm wrong uh, it is my understanding that from an efficiency standpoint uh nuclear is clean and efficient i mean i know the risk of with, meltdown I'm, is there but yeah i'm with you i think i think that is the clear answer if we're truly being serious about we think there's a climate crisis, I think that's the yeah. answer. But anyway, we'll talk about it next week. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll get together. Y'all can think about it. Y'all can give us some feedback. Cool. Uh, 
on on social media or emails or whatnot and uh we'll we'll talk about it next week on mind on my money don't forget it's mypinwealth.com m-y-p-i-n-n wealth.com martin and the people there do a great job if you uh, just want to have a conversation about your retirement plan your financial situation whatever the case may be just get in touch with them maybe they can help maybe they're a perfect partner maybe they're not but it wouldn't hurt to have a conversation and tell martin and them that you heard about on the podcast that would be appreciated as well so for martin palomo i'm neil mccrady have a great weekend see you next week on uh, Mind on My Money. Take care.